Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and give my podcast five stars. Also, follow me on all of my social media platforms. The Gratitude Chick for both Instagram and Facebook, Gratitude underscore Chick for Twitter, and on TikTok, Babes Who Manifest. Also, for all of my reading babes, check out the new reading merch on the website, www.bwmmerch.com. everyone and welcome back to your weekly devotional with the gratitude chick. So I know last week we took a little break because there was something on my mind about prayer and I wanted to get it out. So um, we took a, just a little bit of break on that but I'm still on my quest about King David. So we are back to following his journey And we are starting today with 2 Samuel chapter number one. Are you guys ready? I am ready, so let's begin. Also, um, you know, I always like to put this disclaimer. Just a reminder, guys, I do read with my own commentary. Uh, You don't have to agree. It's it's fine if you don't. But I did want to just, you know, mention that I do read with my own commentary. Okay, so we're going to start at chapter one. And as you guys remember... At the end of 1 Samuel, Saul and his sons died. So um, with the beginning of uh, 2 Samuel, we are going to start seeing, you know, David being readied to be king. So chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had stayed two days in Ziklag, On the third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. So it was when he came to David that he fell to the ground and prostrated himself. Also, as a reminder, I do read the New King James Version. And David said to him, where have you come from? So he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. Then David said to him, how did the matter go? Please tell me. And he answered, the people have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen, dead, fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are also dead. So David said to the young man who told him, how do you know that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? Then the young man who who told him said, as I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa, there was Saul leaning on his spear. And indeed, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now, when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me and I answered, here I am. And he said to me, who are you? So I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said to me again, please stand over me and kill me for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and killed him because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. Therefore, David took hold of his own clothes and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son, for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. And also, you guys know that David and Jonathan were really close. 
Then David said to the young man who told him, where are you from? And he has answered, I am the son of an alien and a Malachite. So David said to him, how was it? Hold on, hold, hold on, hold on a moment. Now, I don't know what the original text would say, but it's interesting that the translation is, I am the son of an alien. That is very interesting to me because what it is suggesting is that he is telling him, I am not from Israel. I am outside of Israel. I am, he says, I am the son of an alien and a Malachite, which, which lets him know that he is not of Israel. And it is so interesting to me because these are kind of words we use today to, in, at least here in America, to, um, you know, describe people who are not from America, or at least the illegal ones. We often refer to them as illegal aliens, you know? So I, I, I think that is interesting that this is the translation. And even if, even if this is, isn't the same word that was used, this translation was hundreds of years ago. You know what I mean? So I, I just think it's interesting that they use the same wording that we use today to, to describe people that are not from the specific country. So David said to him, how was it you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. So David said to him, your blood is on your own head for your own mouth has testified against you saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. And I guess at this point, you know, it's, it wouldn't, David wouldn't know that Saul was no longer anointed. Um, just simply because, I mean, how would he know unless Saul told him, you know? And I, I want to say that as far as we've read, the only people who would know this would be Saul and um, Samuel. And I don't know Samuel, if that if that's something that Samuel would have told David, obviously, because David didn't know. Then David lamented with his lament lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. And he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow. Indeed, it is written, or the song of the bow. I always read B-O-W as bow instead of bow. I don't know why. So it could be song of the bow. Indeed, it is written in the book of Jasher. Jasher, the beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. O mountains of Geboa, let there be no dew nor rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for the shield of the Almighty is cast away there, the shield of Saul not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty." Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their eyes, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the beauty, how the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan was slain in your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. Ooh. 
how the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. And this is why a lot of people, a lot of people that I've, you know, talked to who studied David oftentimes wonder if he was, you know, gay or bisexual just because of how close his relationship with Jonathan was. I mean, I don't know, you know, I wouldn't put it past, you know, being homosexual isn't new in the 20th or 21st century. That's not new. So I wouldn't put it past him to have had that kind of relationship with Jonathan. Um, I don't, I, I can't say that it was. I don't know if we are just, you know, kind of, I don't want to say scarred or, no, the Bible says the carnal mind is, is um, enmity between us and God. So I, I, I don't know if it is just our carnal minds that make us see the love between two men as homosexual. I don't know if that is what that is and why it can't just be a brotherly love. All of my life, I have thought it was a brotherly love, but so many people have intimated that it was a sexual love that it has come into my mind. Like, was it? But um, I'm going to choose to believe that it was a brotherly love um, because I do believe that there are guys out there that love each other, you know, as bros that, you know, their love may transcend women, you know, the the love that they have for one another as bros. Um, I don't know. It says surpassing the love of women. That's, that's, that's kind of deep. <laughs> For me. So, I mean, I don't know. But again, I would like to think that they are um, brothers, you know. They loved each other like brothers. So, chapter two. So, this, um, I believe, is when David is going to be anointed the king of Judah. It happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, Where shall I go? And he said to Hebron. So David went up there and his two wives also, Ahinoham, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David brought up the men who were with him, every man with his household. So they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. Then the men of Judah came and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David saying, the men of Jabesh Gilead, were the ones who buried Saul. So David sent messages to messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead and said to them, "You are blessed of the Lord for you have shown this kindness to your Lord to Saul and have buried him, and now may the Lord show kindness and truth to you. I also will repay you this kindness because you have done this thing. Now therefore let your hands be strengthened and be valiant for your master Saul is dead." And also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and, and okay, Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim, and he made him king over Gilead, over the Asherites. So here we see that Saul's son Ishbosheth has been anointed king over another part of Israel. So David is the king of Judah, and Ishbosheth was made king of Israel. So that seems like a conflict. Let's see what happens. 
and he made him king over Gilead, over the Asherites, over Jezreel, and over Ephraim, over Benjamin, and over all Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. Only the house of Judah followed David, and the time that Je- David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Now Abner, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Mahanaham to Gibeon, and Joab, the son of Z- Zariah, and sorry, sorry guys, and the servants of David went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. So they sat down, one on one side of the pool, and the other on the other side of the pool. Then Abner said to Joab, Let the young men now arise and compete before us. And Joab said, Let them arise. So they arose and went over by number twelve from Benjamin, followers of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and twelve from the servants of David. And each one grasped his opponent by the head and thrust his his sword in his opponent's side. So they fell down together. What? <laughs> I thought this was a competition, not a killing. Therefore, that place was called the Field of Sharp Swords, which is in Gibeon. So there was a very fierce battle that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. Now the three sons of Zariah were there, Joab and Abishai and Asheel. Oof, I am butchering these names. Please do not be offended. And Asahel was as fleet of foot as a wild gazelle. So Asahel pursued Abner, and in going, he did not turn to the right hand or to the left from following Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and said, Are you Asahel? He answered, I am. And Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right hand or to your left, and lay hold on one of the young men and make his armor for yourself. But Asahel would not turn aside from following him. So Abner said to again to Asahel, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I face your brother Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck him in the stomach with the blunt end of the spear, so that the spear came out of his back, and he fell down there and died on the spot. So it was that many, that as many as came to the place where Asherah fell down and died, stood still. Joab and Abishai also pursued Abner, and the sun was going down when they came to the hill of Ammah, which is before Gia by the road to the wilderness of Gibeon. Now the children of Benjamin gathered together behind Abner and became a unit and took their stand on top of a hill. Then Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the latter end? How long will it be until you tell the people to return from pursuing their brethren? And Joab said, As God lives, unless you had spoken, surely then by morning all the people would have given up pursuing their brethren. So Joab blew a trumpet, and all the people stood still and did not pursue Israel any more, nor did they fight any more. Then Abner and his men went on all that night through the plain across uh, crossed over the Jordan and went through all Bithram and they came to Mahanaham. So Joab returned from pursuing Abner and when he had gathered all the people together there were missing of David's servants 19 men and Ashiel. 
But the servants of David had struck down of Benjamin and Abner's men, 360 men who died. Then they took up Ashiel and buried him in his father's tomb, which was in Bethlehem. And Joab and his men went all night and they came to Hebron at daybreak. So in this chapter, we see that Judah and Israel go to war. And it looks like by the end of the chapter, David's men are winning this war in that um, only 19 men that David had killed over 300 men that Abner had. So it looks like right now David is winning the war. And remember, Ishtopheth was only king of Israel for two years. And although Judah is inside of Israel, um, Judah, the people of Judah followed David while the rest of Israel followed uh, after Saul's son Ishtopheth. Or I, I know I'm saying that wrong. So I want you guys to see the difference in, say... Um, I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of context just so you can see the difference. It would be like uh, the people of Texas following David while the rest of America followed after Ishtopheth. Do you guys see the the difference? And And I'm not saying that Israel is as big as America back then or what, but I'm just saying context is this one place versus the, the rest of the country. So that's kind of the context. So I'm going to go um, to chapter 3 now. Now, there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Why? Because the house of Saul is not anointed, David is. Sons were born to David in Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon by Ahinoam, the Jezreelites. His second son, uh, Sheliab, by Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. The third, Absalom, the son of Maka, the daughter of Talmai, king of Jeshur, the fourth. Adinahah, the son of Haggith, the fifth. Shephatiah, the son of Abital, and the sixth. Litrium, by David's wife, Eglah. These were born to David in Hebron. So... Let's stop here. Let's stop here. So, let's see. He had two wives, first of first and foremost, Ahinoham and Abigail. And then he had another woman he got pregnant, which was the daughter of Telma, king of Jashar. Now, this does not say that this was his wife. Then he had another by Haggith then a fifth one by Abital and a sixth one by his third wife another wife so he has six wives excuse me three wives at least and maybe three concubines I'm going to say that they were concubines because if they were his wives it would have said that these were his wives so there are three women named as as his wives and three women who are not but all six women gave birth to his kid. So, now when we think of a man after God's own heart, we think of God as love. That is what the Bible says, God is love. We think of God as peace and joy and happiness and 
all of these good things, right? So then how can David, one man with six women, how is this man a, a man after God's own heart? How? Especially since he is under the law. He's not under grace yet because Jesus has not died. Jesus comes from his own bloodline. He is birthed from that bloodline, right? So how, how, how is he a man after God's own heart when he is violating the the Ten Commandments that says, um, thou shalt not commit adultery? When clearly he commits adultery every day in having multiple women that he is having sex with. How is this man a man after God's own heart when every day he is in sin continually? How? There are men out here who reference David and Abraham all the time when they say God condones having multiple wives. But does God condone that? Because if he condoned that, there would not have been a specific place in the in the Ten Commandments that says, thou shalt not commit adultery. And then in Genesis, it would not have said that Adam and Eve are one. For this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and cling to his wife and they shall be one flesh. How can he be one flesh with six women? So again, how is this man a man after God's own heart? That is our quest to know. That is my quest to know. And it is the reason why I love David. Because he, God shows in his, in his mercy, in his love towards David, that he has no respect. Or, there is no respect of persons with God. He shows that. Because he has labeled this man a man after his own heart, even though he sins continually. But I believe wholeheartedly that David is a man after God's own heart because of his praise, because of his thankfulness. That is why in 1 Samuel chapter 12, sorry guys, that's my alarm telling me to say my affirmations. But that is why in 1 Samuel chapter 12, it says, God looks on the, uh, on the no, wait, wait. man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So no matter what his sin was, because of his repentance, because of his praise, that is why I believe he is a man after God's own heart. That, that, that literally is just how I believe. But I wanted to put point this out as you struggle with your day-to-day life and, sin, and sins. Do not be fooled that there are people on this earth right now that are living sin-free. That is a lie. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he also said that we were born into sin and shapen in iniquity. So there is not one person alive today that is not living in sin. There is not. That is why we have a savior that is faithful and true to us. That is why we get new mercies every morning 
great is thy faithfulness. Because the Lord knows that we were born into sin and shapen in iniquity. So David, despite his sins, despite all of his gross sins against God, he has a repentful soul. And not only that, his praise is unmatched. Psalms 100 gives you an idea of how David praised God because it is a step-by-step letting you know how to to come before the Lord. So it is just a little piece of how David praised God. So I just wanted to stop and, and give you guys that little piece because so many of us as Christians, we struggle every day with the sins that we commit. And this is not a free reign on sin, guys. I'm not saying this to say, go and sin. No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, take your focus off of the sin and put it on the one that cleanses you from that sin. If the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So take your focus off of your sin and on the one who can cleanse you from that sin. Because the more you focus on your sin, the more you are expanding your sin in your life. Focus on Jesus and expand him in your life instead. Okay, I'm going to go back to reading. Now, it was so while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David that Abner was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul. And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Aya. So Ishbosheth said to Abner, why have you gone in to my father's concubine? Then Abner became very angry at the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah? Today I show loyalty to the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not delivered you into the hand of David. And you charge me today with a fault concerning this woman? May God do so to Abner, and more also, if I do not do for David, as the Lord has sworn to him to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah, from Dan to Beersheba. And he could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. Then Abner sent messengers on behalf of David saying, who is the land? Saying, no, whose is the land? Saying also, make your covenant with me and indeed my hand shall be with you to bring all Israel to you. And David said, good, I will make a covenant with you, but one thing I require of you, you shall not see my face unless you first bring Michael, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. So David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Give me my wife Michael, whom I whom I betrothed to myself, David, for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. I mean, what do you need with another wife, David? And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband. So do you under do you see what David's doing? David said, I want Michael or Michael or however you pronounce her name. And she's already married to another man. 
So right there, he is committing adultery again because now he's taking this woman who has no voice, no say-so from her husband and giving her her to another man. And the husband has no say-so either because these are two kings. What can he say? So now you have David the first time, the first of David, taking another man's wife. This isn't the first time he's done this. Then her husband went along with her to Bahiram, weeping behind her. So Abner said to him, go, return, and he returned. Now Abner had communicated with the elders of Israel, saying, in time past, you were seeking for David to be king over you. Now then, do it. For the Lord has spoken of David, saying, by the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and the, land, and the hand of their enemies. And Abner also spoke in the hearing of Benjamin. Then Abner also went to speak in the hearing of David in Hebron, all that seemed good to Israel and the whole house of Benjamin. So Abner and 20 men with him came to David at Hebron. And David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. Then Abner said to David, I will arise and go and gather all Israel to my lord the king, that they may make a covenant with you, and that you may reign over all that your hearts desire. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. At that moment, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid and brought much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the troops that were with him had come, they told Joab, saying, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king, and he sent him away, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why is it that you sent him away, and he has already gone? Surely you realize that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you, to know you're going out and you're coming in, and to know all that you were doing. And when Joab had gone from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner, who brought him back from the well of Sirah. But David did not know it. Now when Abner had returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him privately, and there stabbed him in the stomach, so that he died for the blood of Asael, his brother. Wow. Afterward, when David heard it, he said, My kingdom and I are guiltless before the Lord forever of the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. Let it rest on the head of Joab and all his father's house, and let there never fail to be in the house of Joab one who has a discharge, or is a leper who leans on a staff, or falls by the sword, or who lacks bread. So Joab and Albishal, his brother, killed Abner because he had killed their brother, Asiel, at Gibeon in the battle. Then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, Tear your clothes, gird yourself with sackcloth, and mourn for Abner. And that was kind of their mourning. They always, you know, rent their clothes and, you know, sat in sackcloth and ashes and things like that. And King David followed the coffins, so they buried Abner in Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. And the king sang a lament over Abner and said, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hand were not bound, nor your feet put into fetters. As a man falls before wicked men, so you fell. Then all the people wept over him again. And when all the people came to persuade David 
to eat food while it was still day, David took an oath saying, God do so to me and more also if I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down. Now all the people took note of it and it pleased them since whatever the king did pleased all the people. For all the people in all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's intent to kill Abner the son of Ner. Then the king said to his servants, Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel, and I am weak today, though anointed king, and these men, the sons of Zeria, are too harsh for me. The Lord shall repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. So I think that um, in this scripture, even though Abner had good intent towards David, you know, he still you know, killed someone else's brother. And back in these days, it was literally an eye for an eye. So that is, you know, why he was, he died. I do believe that he still is going to fulfill his duty in uniting Israel by his death because the people saw that David did not participate in the killing of Abner. So this is going to be the last chapter, chapter four. When Saul's son heard that Abner had died in Hebron, he lost heart and all Israel was troubled. Now Saul's son had two men who were captains of troops. The name of one was Abena and the name of the other Rechab, the sons of Remon, the Berothite of the children of Benjamin. For Beroth also was part of Benjamin because the Berothites fled to Gidom and have been sojourns there until this day. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when he knew when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his t- nurse took him up and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Then the sons of Remen, the Berethite, Rechab and Bana, set out and came at about the heat of the day to the house of Ishbosheth, who was lying on his bed at noon. And they came there all the way into the house as though to get wheat, and they stabbed him in the stump. They done killed the king. Then Rechab and Bana, his brother, escaped, for when they came into the house, he was lying on his bed in his bedroom. Then they struck him and killed him, beheaded him, and took his head and were all night escaping through the plain. And they brought the head of Ishbosheth to David at Hebron and said to the king, Here is the head of Heshbosheth, or excuse me, Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life, and the Lord has avenged my lord, the king, this day of Saul and his descendants. But David answered Rechab and Banna, his brother, the sons of Remen, the Berethite, and said to them, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all adversity. When someone told me, saying, Look, Saul is dead, thinking to have brought good news, I arrested him and had him executed in Ziklag, the one who thought who thought I would give him a reward for his news. How much more when wicked men have killed a righteous person in his own house on his bed? Therefore shall I not now require his blood at your hand and remove you from the earth." So David commanded his young men, and they executed them, cut off their hands and feet, and hanged them by the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the tomb of Abner in Hebron. 
So basically, David had crazy followers who literally went and, and killed the king, the king of Israel, because they felt like David should be king of all. And David's like, who told you to do that? I didn't ask you to do that. But more so, if God wanted me to to kill them, he would have told me to kill them, you know? So they took it upon themselves to kill Ishbosheth. And now they have lost their lives as well. Because David is that kind of king. He is the kind of king that says, I didn't ask you to do that. And now you have killed an innocent man. So you got to give up your life for it. Boom, you're dead. And I I don't have a problem with that. David is that dude. He is. So, I don't know. We are going to start with chapter 5. When, obviously, David will become king of Israel. Because now his path has been cleared. So, he will become king of Israel starting with chapter 5. And I think that a lot of stuff will, you know, start showing his head. And the reason, another reason why, you know, I will sit back and say, how is David a man after God's own heart? Because he did this, 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 and this. And it just will remind me of Psalms. And maybe we should end with the Psalms so that we can be reminded of David's praise. Okay, so we are going to end this today by reading Psalms chapter 1. It is only a few scriptures. Blessed, and again, I always say blessed. Don't talk about me bad. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Again, this is why he is a man after God's own heart. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope that you guys are understanding my love for David and why reading about him makes me feel loved by God. Because, I mean, you know, (laughs) anyway, Um, Don't forget to add gratitude as a daily practice in your life, guys. I promise you, your life will change once you add the daily practice of gratitude. You guys have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, a.k.a. The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to subscribe to me on YouTube at The Gratitude Chick. Make sure to click in my description box for the link to paid surveys, manifesting merchandise, and much more.